it's Nicole Brandon, and welcome to Hourglass Bride. I am so excited and so elated for today's show. We have such a special, honored guest with us today. Today we are talking with Tony Bulbua. And when I created the show, it was my dream and my vision to give you the very best keys and tools and techniques to be able to unfold the happily ever after and really have that kind of lifelong love that we all dream and we all desire and we all hope for and we all know is possible. And today's guest is going to share with us one of the most extraordinary love stories of all time. And the most remarkable part is that it's her own journey. Tony's love story from the very beginning has been such a beautiful orchestration of emotion, of love, of high notes, of low notes, of crescendos, of everything that you would want heaven on earth and life to be and so much more. And of course, life is filled with obstacles, life is filled with barriers, with walls and hurdles that we climb and how we go through those and the commitment of the heart really is what we're looking for when we say, I do. What are we doing? And so today's guest, Tony Bulbua, is just extraordinary. Some know her as a friend, as a wife. Some know her as a lyricist, as a writer, as a remarkable, talented actress and creative being as someone who gives a philanthropist her charity work, her work for humanity is just extraordinary. She's an actress and a writer best known for a soap opera. Of course, her life would be just like a soap opera, the love of life. She also worked on Somerset. She's worked on Another World. And we're going to talk about her incredible career. But mostly today, we're going to talk about her incredible journey through this career and the journey of the heart, the spirit, and the soul, and how her own talent blossomed and her own life grew in the process of falling in love. So welcome today. One of I'm so privileged to talk to one of my personal heroes and mentors, Tony Bulbua. Tony, welcome to the show. Good afternoon and happy Sunday, Dame Nix. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Wonderful. I'm here with my new daughter, Miley, the dog, and uh, we're very excited to talk to you and your friends out there and online and in radio land. Oh, I'm so pleased you're here. And we've got so much to talk about today, and I want to get into Miley as well. But one of my favorite things to ask is when you were a child, Going back, I mean, when you were five and six and seven and people dream about, you know, for myself, I wanted to be Miss America or people want to be astronauts. Did you know that this would be your journey, one of one as an actress and a writer and a creative career? And did you know that your journey would be of the heart and of love? I knew that it would be of the heart and of love. I wasn't the least bit interested in getting married or having a relationship. All I wanted to do was be an actress and a writer. So really? the love part uh, with Jean came as a great big surprise. Mm-hmm. When I was little, I used to be in all the school plays, like many actors have been. And um, also in school, I'd write fairy tales and stories about angels and fairies in the grass. And, and apparently they caught on because the teachers would always have me go to the older grades 
and read the stories to all the grades in the school. So I was making up stories when I was very, very little and acting when I was very, very little, and that's mainly what I was interested in. Mm. And did you have that romantic fairy tale relationship around you? Did you have that with your own family life, or was it something that you longed for the outside, or did you see a movie and say, gosh, that's what love looks like, or that's what fairy tales or fantasies look like? Well, that's a good question, Nix, as you always ask. Uh, I did see a movie that affected my life greatly when I was very little and saw it hundreds of times, and at the same time, I understand Jean had been watching it from you know, another part of the world, which is called One Touch of Venus from 1946 with Ava Gardner and Robert Walker Jr., I believe, was the guy. And it was about uh, Venus, Aphrodite, coming to Earth for 24 hours to find true love. And uh, that affected me a lot. I loved that. I, I, I wasn't aware that I was looking for a partner, but I guess that movie affected me greatly. And from then on, I was kind of, I guess, waiting for Jean without knowing it. It's interesting when you said that you're waiting for Jean without knowing it because I would think about fate. And I seem to remember somewhere that you were cast in a part in a movie that would have put you directly in contact with the love of your life, but your father didn't let you go. Is that true? Correct. That was two years before I met Jean, and the movie was called The Prince and the Pauper. And everybody can see it. Uh, I guess it's on YouTube now or something like that. And Jean was Miles Hendon, the hero, and I was to play, uh, let's see, Princess Anne. Princess Anne, I believe her name was. I got the part, and my father refused to let me go. He said I was too young to go to Ireland where it was being filmed, so I didn't get to meet Jean at that time. We, we waited till Love of Life two years later. That's remarkable. But, so for those that are new and listening to this program, you fell in love with your husband and your partner and your soulmate on a soap opera. Absolutely. Amazing. 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 Off. Yep. That's what soap operas are about. So tell me about that. Uh, well, Jean, I came on six months before Jean, and um, I, they had hired two, two actors for me, one an older one to, to vie for me, my love, <laughs> Jean, who actually was older than me, but he looked very, very young. And, um, yeah, he came on as Bill Prentice, the boy who I was to fall in love with. And he was, you know, just amazing. He was just amazing. He's beautiful. And for those of you that have seen him when he was young, like when we were young, he was like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. However, when he came onto the set, me being friendly Tony wanted to make everyone feel at home and I'd been there for six months, and I was introducing everybody around, and I said, uh, Hi, Jean, I'm Tony Bull, which was my name at the time, and welcome to Love of Life. And he went, Shh, I'm preparing. <laughs> That's great. Those of you who aren't actors out there, that means I'm, I'm getting into my emotions, I'm getting into my character, I'm getting into a place where you stay away from me until I'm ready to act which I don't do that method at all. And I thought, what? Uh, I don't think I cursed at the time. I learned all my cursing from Jean. So I, I said, I, I, what, a, what an ass, I guess. I, I don't even know if I used that word at the time. 
but I thought he was horrible. I thought, how, what a what a stuck up, conceited actor. My God, and I'm going to have to play with this guy. That was our first. That was my first reaction to Gene. That's hysterical. Now you were very young and very innocent. Yes. And what was the character that you were playing? You were on the soap opera, and that was a love of life. Correct. And I was. I started out as Tess Krakauer. From I was of Polish descent. I didn't have an accent, but uh, actually Jocelyn Brando was my mom, Marlon's sister, and we were uh, of Polish descent. And I was the girl from the wrong side of the tracks. In other words, we didn't have a lot of money. And uh, then I became Tess Krakauer, Randolph Prentice, Randolph Prentice, Randolph Prentice. I was married many, many times as well, so stars are, and uh, I married Jean three times on the show and once in real life, so we've been had four weddings. We're very, we were very, very, very married. That's <laughs> hysterical. That's so funny. And then how did it work to have real feelings and to actually have the world watching as you fell in love? It was magical. Um, we practically fell in love almost that same day. As soon as we got on camera together, when the camera came on, something very mysterious and magical happened. It was electric. We looked in each other's eyes, and we were acting. We were saying the lines of this script on Love of Life, but there was a whole dialogue going on within our souls somehow. And... It caught on with us, and it caught on with America, and it was a magical thing for many, many, many years. It crossed the line of mystery, where mystery almost makes sense. I remember hearing that when you would go out, that the police would have to go with you, because even when you went to restaurants, the people would just come sit with you? Yes, a lot of time, not in New York, because New Yorkers are a little more sophisticated than that. However, they would come and sit at our table in restaurants. But, yes, when we went out of town and people knew we were coming, we'd be swamped. So uh, we had to have, like, police escorts a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And one time, I think it was in Providence, Rhode Island, they busted the stage down, even with the guards. They actually busted the stage down. <laughs> Big That's chaos. <laughs> Amazing. And now you were on the cover of magazines. You were like the most romantic couple in the world, yeah. right? I mean, people just looked at that and said, this is love. And yes, then right. there, was a, there was a glitch, though, because Jean was not available at that time, right? Oh, between the movie that I wasn't allowed to be in and the t- time I met him on Love of Life, he'd gotten married to an old friend. And... There was a baby on the way, his son Justin. So, it, yes, it was very much like a soap opera, very complex and um, very jagged-edged, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, to overcome that, to finally find the love of your life, mm-hmm. to have the entire world watch you fall in love, and to have the world as your playground and have this emotional stage at your playground, and then to have this real-life soap opera must have been quite an emotional experience for someone so young and so in love. It was, and 
I, as I said long ago, I didn't want to get married. I didn't even want a relationship, and part of that was still in me at the time, even though I was madly in love with Jean. So I didn't know what was going to happen, and I think part of my real reality was in love of life. I, I crossed, uh, you know, the land of make-believe into reality. So Jean and I almost didn't even know what was real and what wasn't, I think, at a particular point. It was crazy. And when I, you know, look back over your history and look back just at that time in your life and the public eye was so focused on you, I think that you were even on the cover of a magazine for being one of the ten most beautiful women in the world, weren't you? Remember who the others were at all. <laughs> it was not long ago, Nicole, when but dinosaurs I mean, roamed the earth. Isn't that remarkable, though, that, that you would be looked at as one of the most glamorous, beautiful, which you are. I mean, even today, to me, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and, and I don't need a magazine to tell me that you're one of the ten most beautiful women in the world. I think you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. So, truly, um, that is that is true. But just to have that to stand up to all the time and have to answer to all the time and then beyond the soap operas, because I know you also worked on Another World, you did another soap opera, but you also started writing together and collaborating. And that to me is just like the cherry on the sundae of the cake, that your creative passion could mesh and create such beautiful pieces that really have done such enormous good for humanity and has created such an impact around the world. So what was that like to start to work together? Well, I'll tell you about that, and I I do want to add one thing to the previous question you asked, Nix, and that's um, about Jean's first marriage. I'm so happy to say that um, we had a reunion with his first wife just before Jean left the planet, and it was wonderful. Her name is Priscilla. And she's lovely, and the greatest thing that ever happened is what came out of that marriage, which is his son, Justin, Justin Buer, the famous painter. He's an urban artist. I think he created the word, and now he's very famous, Justin Buer. He's he's enormously talented, enormously. I would love to have Justin on Unlimited Life because the way his mind thinks and the paintings that he creates and his Artwork is astounding, so I, I so appreciate that you're sharing. his family. There's no question about it. Yes, he's a genius. <laughs> no question that Justin is a genius, as Jean was. Mm. I'm so glad too that you had that opportunity to have yes. that launching. Of, I've been friends of... with Justin for years, but the meeting with Priscilla is something I dreamed of and prayed for and wished for. And it was just a great moment, a great moment. It moves mm-hmm. me right now to think about it. Oh. And didn't you had you had some sort of special birthday party celebration for Jean, didn't you, with Justin, if I remember correctly? Yes, yes, his last birthday. Um, he managed to be quite uh, himself and quite well, and we went to... Um, a Scottish pub called Tamashan with several of his friends and Justin and Justin's beautiful daughter, Akira. And uh, he had his final birthday surrounded by Justin and Akira and friends at this lovely restaurant. And um, 
it was wonderful. It was wonderful. The the last the last uh, few weeks were wonderful. Interestingly enough, what a magic dog. Yes. So yes. So now tell me because I, I'm so intrigued by this the working together concept, and I think that that's actually one of the questions that we've had most often on the show is can husbands and wives work together? Can they be in the same business together? Can they partner? And also today in a world where financially it makes sense for people to be home, to be entrepreneurs, to work out of their homes or work out of offices together or co-raise children or families, can you work together, can you create together and still maintain this magical essence of marriage and love? I can't think of a more beautiful way to live a life than to work with your loved one. Uh, it's absolutely mm, the favorite thing I've ever done in my life is is to constantly create with Jean. Every song we wrote, every story we did together was like having a child to us. Just incredible, and it keeps everything new and alive and and spontaneous and magic and at the end of the day we just all we want to do is celebrate whatever we created together whether it be teaching someone or writing something or recording something or rehearsing something or producing or directing we just want to celebrate at the end of the day this incredible 24 hours we spend with each other full of love and and um, newness and we constantly keep each other on our toes. It was just destiny. It was destiny. And those of you who find someone like that, oh, my God, just thank the universe, thank spirit, thank God, because it's uh, maybe once in a hundred lifetimes. But, you know, if that's what you really want and that's what you really long for, I do believe that you can say prayers and ask for that kind of a relationship and then The trick is, I think the trick is to ask and pray and know that it might come in a different form than you imagine and then let go. Let go of the idea that you have of the relationship or what it is you wish for or your best destiny. Let go of the idea and let it come in a different color if it wants to. That way you open the door for every wonderful possibility that's out there and hopefully your best destiny and best probability. That's such beautiful advice. Thank you so much for that. And I'm curious because you were acting on the soap, and you meet on the soap, and the very first day you start to fall in love. Yes. Where did the music come in? Where Uh, did the words come in? Well, what was the door you opened? Jean read my diaries from high school. I let him read my diaries, not that there was anything much in them, but apparently I wrote kind of poetry that was hot stuff, full of fire and passion that I didn't even know I had. And he said, oh my, you have to be the lyricist for my music. I need a lyricist. I'm a songwriter. I'm a recording artist. Will you be my lyricist? I didn't even know how to write a lyric. I didn't even know if it was supposed to rhyme. I didn't know anything about that kind of thing. And I think the first song I wrote with him was called The Last Unicorn, I believe. It was about a unicorn. And uh, he just loved it, and we started writing like that on Love of Life during breaks or while we were waiting to film. 
I would start writing lyrics that then, and I've kept it up ever since. I can write anywhere. I can write in the recording studio when another song is being recorded. I can still write a lyric with all the chaos going on. And to write to his music was really astounding because he was just brilliant. He was a brilliant composer. A madman he was. Now, I remember hearing once that you would be able to write without even speaking, that you could actually read each other's thoughts and creative process, and that he might start to hum something and you could put words to it? I could put words to it, and toward the end, when he couldn't really express that much anymore, I also picked up, was able to pick up the music as well that he wanted to put down, and so did our musical director, Daniel Alexander. He became so wonderful at that as well. Gene could just give him an idea, and Daniel could fill it out. That's just... Yes, Gene could communicate. He was magical that way, too. It wasn't just me. It was he could communicate with very few words to other people. I love this. This, to me, is just like a flower opening. And so as you started writing lyrics, a talent that you never knew that you had, you started writing musicals and shows and... started writing stories again. I started writing fairy, fairy tale stories about real people, though. And that's how Pepper Street was born. I sat down with a big piece of paper. What? What is Pepper Street? Because we've got people listening in Malton, South Africa. It's the longest running musical in Los Angeles at its time. It ran all through the 80s. And um, it became a cult hit. People saw it 50 and 100 times. It was awarded by the White House and Congress and um, many, many uh, mayors in in, uh, California. And we also created with uh, Shelley Wizen, who's now my life coach and my best friend, as you know her, um, Youth Suicide Prevention Week and Month in Los Angeles, since uh, Pepper Street was about Spirit Wills. That was her name, a 16-year-old girl who thought she was the only one on Pepper Street who wasn't perfect and decided to end her life. And she met her guardian angel in Heaven's Waiting Room, and she goes back to Pepper Street with him as Invisible Peeping Toms for one week to find the human side of the perfect people of Pepper Street. That was the story. And that's I sat down with a piece of paper and uh, wrote a, a pyramid, a triangle on the floor, and the first one said Spirit Wills, and the second point said Angelo, guardian angel, and the third point said, Sister Jane, who is Spirit's mother. And that's the part I played, and Jill Sholin was the renowned star for years of uh, of Pepper Street and is now my dear friend and like a daughter to me. I love her so much. She's a movie star, Jill Sholin. <laughs> yes, she stopped for a while to raise her two sons, and now she's getting back in the business. She's one of the best actresses in the world, right up there with Merle. No, I agree. She's, I, I mean, I've had the magical gift of watching Jill perform, and I just, she's brilliantly gifted and talented. And I'm always moved to places I didn't even know, you know, was possible just watching her perform. So I could imagine that this show, up with your words and your ideas and Jean's music and Jill's brilliant talent, bringing it to life. 
could have changed lives around the world. Yes, I do believe that's true, Nick. I do believe that's true. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank and you, universe. Thank you, spirit. I remember hearing that they would bus children in and that people would come over and over and over and that even once when somebody got down on his knees and apologized to his wife or girlfriend because he didn't want to come and it changed his life just yes, being he wouldn't there. come for a long time even though she begged him because she'd been there so many times and he actually during intermission fell down on his knees and thanked her and apologized that it took so long that's the kind of reaction we had. And it wasn't just children. It was all ages that were bussed in, by the way. And one time a, a whole busload of prisoners with their guards came in, and they were really tough, man. They were all in the front row while we were doing our thing, and some of the cast was a little freaked out. They were all, like, folding their arms and like, I'm tough. You're not going to do anything to me. And by the end of the show, they were standing, applauding, and weeping. It was amazing. Happened all the time, that kind of thing. Mm. I love that. And then you ventured onto another musical, into Second Wind. Yes, and that was basically about Jean's teaching. Um, I just took it a step further, just made it, blew it up into a little larger than life, even though he didn't need it to be. And uh, <laughs> it was about a teacher, that was the name that I gave him, teacher, who... Um, who couldn't really fulfill his life because of his relationship with it, that he didn't have with his son. So I guess that was a way of uh, trying to heal the relationship with, with Justin and him from long ago, even though they had been friends since then. And how did Jean go from working on the soap opera to composing music, to writing musicals, to teaching, and... I know that he created an acting academy with you and a program and it has literally enriched and touched so many lives and so many actors that we now know today and recognize today truly are living the gifts that they have because of what Gene has instilled in them and what you've instilled in them. And so how, how did that journey continue on if you were dominoing from the soap opera and to people watching you fall in love and then on your breaks you're writing this beautiful music and that beautiful music starts sweeping and becoming so popular and then what was next okay well um let's see on uh, love of life i wrote the lyrics to his music then and uh, he was a recording artist when he was young he had a hit called Golly G, of all things, in the 50s. So he's been recording forever, and he was on Broadway in The Boys from Syracuse and other shows. And, you know, Gene has always been a great singer, as great a singer as he is an actor, and now a teacher, of course. Um, we started teaching during Another World summer set. When we were on that show together, we went from Love of Life to that show. And Joe Beth Williams and Jameson Parker and Ted Danson would come over to our apartment at the Ansonia um, Hotel, which is now a landmark, and we'd get together and do Shakespeare and Pinter and things we didn't get to do on the salt just for fun. And that's how Gene started teaching. He just started directing us, and um, he just was great at it. He was just a great teacher. That's how mm -hmm. we began, for free in the living room. And then we <laughs> came to Cal when we came to California, we decided to do it professionally and we 
got the theater. We got uh, the Venture Theater and Jean Buwa Acting for Life Theater and started teaching classes. Jean was the master teacher, of course, and I was mostly the writer, director type of person at that time. And now you are the master teacher and sharing all of this knowledge. It's just it's such a joyous journey, and I know that you've had some hardship, and I absolutely want to get into that as well because it's the love that really you know was able to see you through all of that. And when you're talking about second wind, for those that are listening to this show who have been estranged from their children or their loved ones, is there advice that you would give to trusting that that love will come around or that it's possible to rekindle that relationship or with that hope? Absolutely, absolutely, but it takes action. It takes action on your part. Whoever is listening, whoever desires this, it takes action. And the res- you, can't, you can't hang on to the result of it either because there may be anger, great, terrible sadness involved on the other side of it. And you have to let that other person process that and and live through that and feel that and you might be rejected at first but you have to keep trying you have to keep opening the door opening the door and letting go it's almost i think it's the secret to everything nick opening your heart taking action asking for something specific and knowing it might come in a different color than you're imagining and letting it go and trying and trying and trying again. Never give up. Never give up on something so important. Open your heart, open your arms, and just go for it. Let go. That's such terrific advice, because when I look at Justin now, it's so hard to imagine there was ever a minute or a second that they weren't close. Oh, he was very bitter. He was very bitter and angry. And it probably helped him create some of that fantastic art. But his nature is is all heart, and he's kind. And he couldn't hold on to that once we opened the door and once Gene took action and opened his heart and his arms, let his ego go, and just opened the door, opened his heart. Justin couldn't refuse for long. He's a good, good soul. He is. Oh, and, I, and his daughter. I mean, just the most beautiful thing in the world. She's like a and little Buddha. I she's know. extraordinary. She's very magical. She's and very a, magical. As you talk about opening your heart, yes, you also had your own kind of set of children in the form of dogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I thought you were going to talk about students, Nick. Oh, no, <laughs> yes, students as well. The furry but you, yes, I but you have opened your heart to animal rescue, and even now, you know, I would love to just touch on that for a minute, even though I know we're talking about Jean and, and your love story, but I know that the dogs were actually part of your love story. And I also think as we look at the exceptions – in every field, whether it be in composition, music, and lyrics, and acting, but you also athletically you ran, which seven I miles, ran seven miles like every that. day. It was a joy. Every morning, we take one of our huskies and run seven miles outdoors. It was great. 
We started around Riverside Park in New York and then Central Park and then here in California in Hollywood, then North Hollywood, then Burbank. Yes, seven miles a day. Okay, now I'm the most fit person pretty much that I've ever met. And I don't know what a man would need to say to me to get me to run seven miles a day. So how did you, was it just something that he had a passion for running or you had a passion for running and you said, let's do this together? Or you got a dog and said, let's do this No, I didn't do anything when I met Jean. I didn't do anything. I did nothing. I, I, I did nothing. No exercise. Nothing. I don't know why I looked okay, but I, I did. But I didn't do anything. But when I was 19, he was 20, he had me running around the track on Riverside Drive, and I could barely get through one, you know, trip around the track. And shortly after, it was a mile, then two miles, three miles, four miles, five miles, six miles, and most of the time, seven miles. We just flew together. And then sometimes I'd wear a rubber suit, too. <laughs> and sometimes I'd wrap myself in in uh, saran wrap first and then put on the rubber suit and then run seven miles. <laughs> <laughs> you never told me that. I love that image. Now I have to use that for something. That's such a great image. <laughs> Cream cheese for breakfast, it wouldn't matter because I'd run it right off. <laughs> That's a Yeah, I can't scary. do that anymore. And so, no rubber suit for Tony anymore. <laughs> and so where, when did the dogs come in? Because I know that that is such a big part of your love story. Yes. Because the love story. I were walking know. on the east side, and we uh, passed by a, a, a pet store, and there was a little baby husky in the window. And we went in, and I thought it was the most beautiful, cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, why we didn't take that husky home, don't ask me. I went home and researched all about huskies. I just all reading and everything, asking questions, all about huskies. I wanted to know everything about them. And then we, at that time, weren't into rescuing. I mean, we didn't, that was a long time ago, so I didn't even know about that at the time. And I, 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 had a, I was in contact with a breeder in upstate New York, and we went and we got our first husky named Nani. We named her Nani. It means daughter of the stars in Hawaiian, actually. And she was with us here, and we brought her to California, and she was the one that ran seven miles in New York all the time, and she was the one in all the magazines with us. Nani, our first husky. Mm. <laughs> and then we started rescuing after that. We rescued Mr. Seth, another husky, and Sabrina, another husky, and our beautiful Anushka, who was before Miley, and now Miley. And Miley, um, you want me to tell about Miley, or yes, do you want to talk sure, about Miley? Sure, absolutely. No, I would love you to share about Miley. Maybe, maybe some of your listeners uh, saw on Facebook the husky that was found last Thanksgiving on a junk pile in South Central, and she was almost dead. They said she had a week or two to live. Her fur had all fallen out. Her paws were like ham hocks. Uh, I don't know what she was living on. She could barely move. Um, and Hope for Paws and Eldad, the famous Eldad from Hope for Paws, rescued her and brought her to Fuzzy Pets, an adoption, an adoption agency, who then uh, the whole thing went viral, and she's got 16 million fans from the rescue, from Eldad's rescue. It just caught uh, uh, people's hearts and attention on Facebook. And everybody fell in love with Miley 
They named Eldad named her Miley because Miley Cyprus um, Cyrus's song was playing on her rescue, and he decided to name her Miley. So we that name stuck. And I saw her on Facebook when two friends, Roberta and Ruth, uh, sent the page to me and said, "This should be your next next husky since you." Since Anushka went to heaven a few months ago, and you're alone now, this should be your next husky. And I wrote directly to Miley. I was the only one that wrote to Miley the dog instead of the foundation. And I said, look, you and I have been through an awful lot, and I think we have a second chance at life, and I'd love to be your mommy. And even if I not, even if you don't choose me, you've already opened my heart, so I will thank you for all the days of my life. And finally, they narrowed it down to three families, and they brought Miley to meet me, and she wouldn't leave my side. It was as if we were family. It was as if we knew each other. And she's right here right now with me, and her fur is all grown in, and she's snow white with ice blue eyes, and she's the kindest, sweetest girl. You'd think maybe she would be mean from being in the junkyard and alone and abandoned all those months, but she's not. She's just wonderful. She's wonderful to everybody. She likes children and people and and other dogs. And I understand even cats, although I'm a little leery. And Miley has her own website. (laughs) I wouldn't want to learn about Miley. Cat in front of her right now yet. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So that's my Miley story. And that's That's great. And people that want to know more about Miley can go to Miley's Facebook page. She has a Facebook page and she has her own website. Fuzzy Pets asked me if I would do that and so that her fans could follow her because they care about her. So I said, sure. So she posts something almost every day on Miley the Dog or Miley Facebook, Miley the Dog Facebook, and you can see her and join her fan, fan club if you want to and get a message from her of love and, and uh, strength and courage and humor every day from Miley. Oh, that's just Beautiful, absolutely, and and Miley is extraordinary, and you can tell in a moment when you look at Miley that the love and the compassion and the understanding and the care, and I mean, it's just, it's like looking deep into a mirror of a soul, just Absolutely beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So I recommend for everybody listening. As usual, you couldn't have put it better. Is it's, and I think that's why so many people keep uh, keeping you know up with her because that's exactly what she does. She seems to look in your soul. She's definitely an old soul. Mm. No question. Wow. And so now you have these dogs, and you have. Your students, which are also children, and you're singing and you're running and you're happy and life is grand and blissful and euphoric and romantic and passionate and you were the example of love around the world and then life got hard somehow. What happened? Yes, right right at the opening of Second Wind in 2000 and what was it, 2001, actually 2000, Jean came down with uh, Parkinson's disease out of nowhere and life really took a turn and we had to walk the walk and talk the talk and learn to do what we attempt to teach which is letting go of the result 
and what you think it's all about and what you think life is and going with what happens every day, every moment and learning to make it magic and learning to make it work and learning to embrace and learning to let go. Can't it nope. can't just teach the lesson anymore. You got to live it. Yep. So what happens when the world halts? And because I know for those that are listening, we've all had someone in our lives, even if it's not somebody in our own personal life, but somebody that we know who has had a tragedy in their life or who has had somebody go through some illness. And and so when life all of a sudden happens or throws you a wrench or all of a sudden there's that pause button when you're running quickly, where do you go? What do you, what do you, what do you do? And, and what did you do? For 13 years, I cared for Jean and he, Mr. Courage himself, or the Lion King as everyone called him, went in to teach, compose, record, produce, till the very end, till he could no longer do that. And that was up until the very end. So I became his anchor, I guess, and his caregiver and his and a partner in a whole new kind of way because I had to take care of his body at the same time and um i won't i won't uh i won't sugarcoat it it was hard it was very hard to see your lion king and your hero um need so much assistance as especially as time went on and um create a whole new role uh, as a person for myself and for himself, a whole new part, I guess you'd say. It really builds character. It's, um, it's hard, but it's really soul-growing, and it's, it makes your ego a whole different animal. The ego subsides. And the spirit grows strong and strong and stronger and stronger and stronger if you don't allow yourself to fall in a pit, the old pit of despair, of course you're going to have these feelings. I felt stressed and desperate a lot of the time. I felt like I was in a war zone a lot of the time. I can't imagine how Gene felt inside himself with his beautiful, gorgeous body that was changing day by day by day, and his Lion King roaring Broadway voice speaking, teaching so eloquently and masterfully that slowly started to disappear and fail him. While at the same time I watched his spirit and his teaching grow wiser and huger and stronger day by day, moment by moment. Because he wasn't speaking from the ego any longer at all. He was speaking from that magical place that's connected to the God in him and the God in you. He almost didn't have to use words anymore. If you listened with your soul, if you opened yourself, he could communicate like he did with music. 
without almost any words. You 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 saw that next, didn't you? Oh, absolutely, I did. And I I mean, to me, the expression of light and energy and creativity only grew. It became brighter and brighter and brighter. And the same way that we talk about that you could read his mind or that he would be able to hum something and you'd be able to put lyrics to it, he was able to do that with humanity. He was able to teach, to share his spirit and soul. And, you know, and I think about everything that you went through. I know that you created another show when I dream. And and I know that he had a brain operation. I know just even thinking about that, a man whose mind is so sharp and so clear and so creative to have somebody tamper with that. But instead, what it did was open the doorway and the gateway for genius to just pour out. You know what? I never thought of it that way, Nix, about those brain operations till you just said that. I bet that's true. I bet that's, that has to absolutely be true. It did open another gateway. You're brilliant. I never thought of that. I only thought of the, how horrible it was, those brain operations. Now I see. I see that it did. It helped open him. Yes, you're correct. Thank you for that. No, of course. It changed my entire perception of a period of time. I'm very grateful. But for me, it was just, and I'm sure for all those that had the opportunity to witness the grandeur of this, as you say, Lion King, this spirit, this soul, this powerful, powerful, powerful God of a man who shared to his very last breath. And even now, we are still, as in class, creating allowing anything to happen, allowing ourselves to fly, to soar. And through your teaching and your words and sharing of the story of the passion and the romance and the love, you let others know that true love is possible. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh, it sure is. It is. It's, it's, it's not only possible, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. It just might be a little different than you imagine. Mm. Once again, open your heart and let go. And, I and yes, that... Gene was able to create an entire musical when he had Parkinson's. Tracy Bregman, the amazing actress, Emmy-winning star, who's another dear friend of both of ours, Nick's, and in class with us, of course, um, she came to us and asked us if we create a musical based on her godson, who had been paralyzed from the legs down when he was very young. And she asked him, when you dream, can you walk? Can you fly? And that's what she gave us, and we wrote a whole musical around that called When I Dream. And Jean created an entire score and with me the lyrics. And Tracy and Jean and I wrote the book. And it's just, the, it's the last thing we, large thing we created together. And it's just magical. And I can't wait for everybody to hear and see it. Whenever that's, that happens. That's the only thing I've written that hasn't been produced yet. But we're working on it. Tracy's working on it. 
I love that. I absolutely love that. And that actually makes me think of one of the charities that I'm involved in, which is Challenge Air. And Challenge Air are pilots all across the nation that donate their time and their planes, and they take children up in the air that can't walk, who are in wheelchairs, who are in stretchers, and they allow them to fly because there are no limitations in space. And the faces of children... When they come out of the plane, it, it's like something you've never seen before. So maybe we should connect you with Challenge Air. That would be a wonderful idea. I would love to meet those people. They sound fantastic, and, and the kids they take. Oh, that sounds wonderful, Nick. Yeah. Wow. But I, just the fact that Gene was able to create this all the way at the end, and then as Gene was going through his own hardship, and I know we don't have a lot of time left. And, and for those of you that are listening to the story and thinking, this is remarkable, this is just the beginning of this journey. And I've invited Tony to join us on Unlimited Life to talk about her own remarkable journey. And so I will make sure that that is posted for you. But I just want to make sure on this show that we share as part of this love story, not only was Jean going through challenges and not only were you supporting Gene as he was going through his challenges and caretaking Gene and loving him as he was transitioning and changing and becoming something every day that was a kaleidoscope and new colors and lights and changes and shapes and different perspectives of the man and who he was. You had your own journey going on. And can you talk about that just a little? Sure. Um it probably it might have come from a lot of the stress of the those 13 years um in 2011 as many women do i found a lump on my right breast and that afternoon i found out i had triple negative breast cancer very aggressive kind and started a whole year of chemotherapy and radiation while i was taking care of jean I can't imagine that. And I remember that Jean was telling the students that it's just another twist of our Mother Earth, right? You know, whatever it was that you that was saying that. that it was Absolutely just correct, right. Yep. It's, it's all a journey, and it's a twist, twist you never expect. Some seem good, some seem bad. But if you look at it as a journey, a journey of growth, and what if possibly my soul chose to do this? for some opening I need to have, for some some step in life that I, I need to take. I don't know what it might be. Anybody can fill in the blanks. You can guess at anything. But it's all a mystery. And you never say, or I never say, why me? Or why did this happen to me? Why not? You know, there's a, a lot of people on the earth. Why not me? And I learned how to take all these crazy situations and somehow embrace them and welcome them. I know it sounds crazy to welcome Parkinson's and welcome cancer or whatever tragedy it seems like you're going through, but what's the alternative? To just drop in a pit and cover your head up and pretend it's not happening or just curse everything? No. Why not take the other road? Why not just do like we do in class? Say, it's never what I think it is. Anything can happen. Just open your arms, do what you have to do, take action, and let go. Beautiful things will happen, magical things will happen that you never even expected. 
if you mm-hmm. take that road. It's Honey, easier so than the other strong. one. You're so strong, and you're so remarkable, and your journey with Jean and within yourself is just the most beautiful story of all time. And for those that are listening, and I know that we just have a couple minutes here, is there any words of wisdom or advice you would say to somebody who has fallen in love or is falling in love or is afraid to fall in love? Well, open your heart and open your gut feelings just to check out that this person is healthy for you, healthy in the best way for you. If you can do that, if you have the will and the wherewithal and the spirit to do that, just to make sure that you don't have to plunge, race, or crawl down some road that you don't need to go on. I know that's not doesn't sound like over the rainbow kind of talk like I usually do, but if you if your gut feeling tells you something's not quite right, it's not. If your heart tells you you can't take another path, that you have to go on this path with this person for however long. If it's a full circle, it's a full circle. If it's for a period of time, it's for a period of time. If your heart tells you there is no other choice but this person for right now, then I guess you'd have to say, I'm going to go on this journey wherever it takes me. And if you're lucky, if you have a little bit of luck, that journey could be the greatest journey and your best destiny and the one that you were meant to go on in the first place. And I pray and I I ask and I send light to your listeners that it is and that everybody out there that's listening has a wonderful angel to help guide them to their true love. Just roll with the punches. Keep the faith. And love, love, love. Be brave. Tell me you are loved. It's such amazing, incredible, profound advice. And I know that when Jean finally did leave us, that hundreds of people marched through to say goodbye to him. But you actually quoted your lyrics from When I Dream. Oh, God. Am I going to quote lyrics? Okay, wait a minute. It was, oh, my Lord. Time. You should have warned me on this. No. <laughs> I, do you want me? I remember. <laughs> I actually again, have right? them if you would like me to share. What? Yes. That, and I just think that the fact that this is what was where you were at at the time that he was ready to cross that bridge was incredible because this came from you, from your very own lyrics, which was, if time should separate us. Time should separate us. If space should come between, I'll see you in the rainbow that takes my breath away on the bridge across forever, forever in a day. There it is, Nix. And to me, that's the most beautiful love story of all time. Thank you, darling. I'll love him forever and a day, that's for sure. And I, <laughs> I God, I'll see him again someday. He that's speaks good. through me all the time. That's what I pray for in class. 
I know he's with me somehow, but he's somewhere else too doing really great stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. And so how do people find you? And how do people, I know that you have a book out. I know that you have a website. I know that you have a school. And I know that people are listening to this and they're going to be so inspired to reach out and say thank you and share their heart. Oh, that's lovely, Nick. Um, just go to Bua, B-U-A, Acting for Life, spelled out, BuaActingForLife.com, and you can get a hold of me there and see what's going on in, in your and my classroom mix. And <laughs> wonderful quotes from Jean and and find out where to get our book, Acting for Life, Bua Acting for Life, if you want to, and some of our music from Pepper Street and Second Wind and When I Dream's Not Up There Yet. But uh, everything else is all the songs we wrote for movies and you can get everything on there, different projects and stuff like that. It'll guide you where to get it, BeWaActingForLife.com. Perfect. Well, Tony, thank you for being with us today. And as I said at the top of the show, you are my mentor and my hero. And truly, I adore you and I am so grateful that you are in my world and in my life. You were such a magical gift. And your love story really lets everyone know happily ever after is possible and that fairy tale love really can come true. And Nix, and I'm living it. Happily ever after is is happening to me now. Even with Jean on the other side, I'm living it. I surely am. You've got a great name to your show. And it's so true. Happily ever after. I wish that for everybody. Mm, Just let so, it go. Let it go in a different color, in a different direction than your idea is. Let go. Open your arms. Open your heart. Let go. So thank you so much, Tony. So for Tony Bobua and myself, Nicole Brandon, we wish you a magical, enchanted week. And may all your happily ever after dreams come true. Amen. Amen.